to South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Friday, August 12, 2022. Some civil society activists in the South Sudan's capital, Juba, are calling for the release of VOA's freelance journalist detained at the Juba Central Prison. Ding does not deserve uh, what she's going through now. Uh, we expected her not to be arrested, but rather if there was any issue against her, it was supposed to go through the media authorities. And authorities in South Sudan's Lex State arrest some supporters of South Sudan's first vice president, Riyad Machar. Well, I have talked to the, the officers, the, the senior officers of the security forces around here, the director of national security, the commander of the SSPDF, police officers, and all of them are clear that nobody gave orders. It's like uh, this particular officer acted on his own. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Various civil society organizations in South Sudan's capital, Juba, have joined the calls for the release of South Sudanese freelance journalist, Ding Magot, who is today spending her sixth straight day in detention. Civil society activists say the government should release Magot, adding that the, atten- adding that the arrest and detention highlights the shrinking sp- me- the shrinking media space in the country, which is against the spirit of the implementation of the 2018 Revitalized Peace Agreement. For VOA News, Wake Simon Wood reports from Juba. Ding Magot was arrested on Sunday at Nyakron shortly after she interviewed a young man who participated in a peaceful protest at Konyokonyo Market over souring commodity prices. The Association for Media Development in South Sudan, or AMDIS, issued a statement on Friday saying AMDIS and the entire media fraternity in South Sudan is concerned over Magot's continuous detention. The statement said Magot's detention has serious repercussions on press freedom and safety of journalists across the country. Amdi says it has been closely following the case with the other media institutions and until now it's not clear why Magot was arrested and detained. The Amdi's statement says, quote, Amdi's therefore calls upon authorities in charge to release Ding Magot immediately. Journalist Ding did not commit any crime. She was only doing her job as a journalist, fulfilling her duty given to her by the Transitional Constitution of South Sudan 2011, end of quote. Aya Irene, chairperson of Female Journalist Network, or FGN, an organization advocating for the rights of female journalists across the country, says if anyone has a case with Ding as a journalist, she should be reported to the media authority, the regulator of the work of journalists who should handle her case. Uh, Ding does not deserve uh, what she's going through now. Uh, Ding is a journalist. And uh, she has to be treated differently. Uh, we expected her not to be arrested, but rather if there was any issue against her, it was supposed to go through the media authority. Because the media authority is the right body by law uh, to settle issues regarding journalists and media houses. So we were surprised that Ding was arrested and detained. 
Magot was arrested by government security agents and taken to Bullock police station where she spent a night. On Monday, she was transferred to Melekia police station where she also spent a night. The following day, she was then transferred to Juba Central Prison where she remains. Irene says Magot was arrested on duty while doing her work as a journalist and does not deserve a detention. We strongly call for immediate release and uh, we would like if there is any case against her, it should be tabled to the media authorities. Akwoch Ajang, chairperson of the South Sudan Civil Society Alliance, describes Magot's arrest as unfortunate, saying it's against the spirit of respecting press freedom in the country. It is true that South Sudan is the most difficult place for the journalists to do their job. It is true uh, the Republic of South Sudan is the most difficult place for activists to extend their views according to the constitution and uh, laws of the Republic of South Sudan. Uh, we are supposed to be protected by law. We are supposed to be protected by the constitution. Ajang is calling on the government to release Magot immediately. And, uh, this is very unfortunate. Uh, it is a violation of uh, civil rights uh, as our constitution. It is a violation of the peace agreement itself. That talk about reform in the Republic of South Sudan, including freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. So this is very unfortunate, and I call upon the government of the Republic of South Sudan to immediately release uh, the journalists. Information Minister Michael McQuay told this program the South Sudan Media Authority is handling Magot's case. No charge has been announced against Magot so far. Her arrest comes in the backdrop of growing economic hardships across the country as the South Sudanese pounds depreciates against the dollar leading to a jump in prices of basic commodities. Today, $1 exchanged for 650 South Sudanese pounds. The continued devaluation of the South Sudanese pounds has continued to push foot prices even higher. Magot's detention is the latest this year. In February and most recently in June, security forces detained several journalists for hours after covering press conferences that were organized by opposition lawmakers at the premises of the National Legislative Assembly in Juba. For VON News, I'm working Simon Wudu in Juba. Still on arrests, SPLM officials in Lake State say security forces arrested some of their supporters in the state capital, Rumbek, Thursday. The Lake State Deputy Governor, who heads the SPLM in the state, confirms party supporters and officials were arrested at Rumbek Airstrip. Sunday William Mabor reports for VOA from Rumbek. Deputy Governor Poth Madit Dut says security forces arrested several supporters and the SPLM Iowa lawmakers and are detaining them in unknown locations. Dut says SPLM IO lawmakers were accompanying party secretary general Regina Joseph Kappa, who was headed to the SPLA IO office in a quiet residential area when they were suddenly surrounded by security personnel. He says the security agents forced them onto a pickup land cruiser. 
that act is not acceptable. There is no way he can arrest a whole honorable appointed by the President of the Republic without any due process of the law. If he also saw me coming, trying to stop him and jumping into the pickup vehicle, there is no way he can drive off with me because I was the acting governor at the time. That, in my opinion, is gross uh, misconduct on the side of that particular officer. Dude says security personnel in Rumbek also arrested supporters wearing SPLM IO branded caps and T-shirts. Dude says he contacted all heads of organized forces who distanced themselves from the incident. Dude says he will heat up an investigation to determine who ordered the security officers to arrest SPLM IO officials and supporters. So I have talked to the, the officers, the, the senior officers of the security forces around here, the director of national security, the commander of the SSPDF, police officers, and all of them are clear that nobody gave orders. It's like this particular officer acted on his own because nobody accepted responsibility. The governor is away, he's in Juba, so I am investigating. Lega State Acting Information Minister William Koji Kirjok describes the arrest as unfortunate and call it as an isolated incident. It was something not planned. It was an incident. The first incident happened as an issue of the bull to be slaughtered uh, in the airport. And you know, our security are aware that in the airport, bulls are not just slaughtered in the airport. It will be only either the, 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 the president or the governor. So that's one of the things that caused debate, it caused confusion. Still, the members were arrested. But the governor uh, directed them to release them immediately. Kerjok warned soldiers and other security forces against taking the law into their own hands. Our securities are supposed to wait for an order directing them on a specific mission. That's where they can carry out anything of that kind. But before uh, they are directed to do anything, they should also listen from the authority. Some Rumbek residents who spoke on condition of anonymity for fear of reprisals say family members are still missing after security forces cracked down on SPLM IO supporters who were wearing party-branded uniforms. For VOA News, I am William Sandemabur reporting in Rumbek Leg State. South Sudanese human rights activists say they want to see the government of South Sudan take concrete steps to address incidents of extrajudicial killings across the country, including the execution that took place in Unity State's Mayom County this week. The activists say unless the members of the South Sudan People's Defense Force behind the killings are held accountable, the country will descend into what they call a state of anarchy. For VOA News, Wakes Simon Wood reports from Juba. Earlier this week, a video on social media that went viral source, men in military uniform executing three men in Mayom County by firing squad. The three were identified as rebels with the South Sudan People's Movement. The men in uniform are suspected of being government forces. A separate video shows a fourth man being burnt alive inside a grass-touched hut in an abandoned village. Swara Nelson Loboka, Executive Director of Action 54, a human rights advocacy organization in South Sudan, says this is not the first time South Sudanese army officers are accused of carrying out extrajudicial executions. In May, Nelson says a similar incident occurred in Kajokeji, where soldiers in South Sudan People's Defense Force uniforms killed three civilians. 
He says the practice portrays South Sudan as a country of lawlessness. He urges the government to hold the perpetrators accountable. This extrajudicial killing has really brought some elements of indication that uh, there is really a lack of good governance uh, in South Sudan and, and that um, lawlessness is taking over because if uh, the accused uh, SSPDF personnel uh, or officers who carried out the extrajudicial killing, if they were really to be guided by the law, and then they should have not done such kind of uh, uh, human rights violations against uh, the suspects that were handed uh, over to them. Nelson says the latest killings pit South Sudan against the Global Declaration of Human Rights, which states that everyone is entitled to full equality, to a fair and public hearing by an independent and impartial tribunal in determination of his or her rights and of any criminal charge against him or her. He says the practice also violates South Sudan's 2011 transitional constitution as amended. Article 19 provides for a fair trial and says any accused person is presumed innocent until proved otherwise in a court of law. Activist Kenya Sen Abdallah, executive director of the local rights group Advocates for Human Rights and Democracy, says the incident highlights a profound lack of knowledge about international law and the country's laws among some of South Sudan's leaders. Carrying out extrajudicial killings in the current context in South Sudan means that some of our, some of our forces, including our politicians, does not know or understand about human rights, human rights laws, and this can help us to screen a lot of soldiers from the unified army, and also any recruitment in a political position need a vetting, so that such kind of thing must not happen again. Like Nelson, Yasin says the government needs to take drastic measures to avoid extrajudicial executions from recurring. The current killings that happen there, it can also pave way for a revenge killing, targeting families of the perpetrators. And these are the things that it will continue us to have lawlessness in our society. The government has distanced itself from ordering the extrajudicial killings and vowed to take action against those behind the incident. Information Minister Michael McQuay condemned the incident and told this program that the national government noted with concern the conduct of the extrajudicial killings, adding those who did it took the law into their hands. Even if a person is a, is a, is a, a prisoner of war or if he was arrested for having committed a certain offense, that person has the right also to be brought to book and be tried according to the law. So the government is serious, it has taken it up seriously and it, is, uh, it will take all necessary measures to address that situation. Marque says the executed men were allegedly officers belonging to the rebel group South Sudan People's Movement struck army which launched military attacks on the government in Unity State last month. Nelson says rights groups want to see the government's words translated into action. We are really waiting and see the steps of the investigation uh, that the government is taking, especially through the leadership of SSPDF, uh, into uh, this uh, extrajudicial killing. 
The United Nations mission in South Sudan expressed grave concern over the reports that four officers with the South Sudan People's Movement Stroke Army were summarily executed. For VONO, Zamwaki Simon Wudu in Juba. Listening to South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. Some lawmakers in Jongle State Legislative Assembly are criticizing the state governor for abusing his powers by suspending some members of the assembly without following due process. The lawmakers say the governor has violated the state legislative assembly's conduct of business, which gives the speaker powers to suspend lawmakers. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. In a gubernatorial order announced last night on local station Radio Jongule, Governor Chagur suspended two lawmakers from the state assembly with no explanation. They suspended MPs Anta Bayak and Gabriel Gadluak were appointed under the positions allotted to the South Sudan Opposition's Alliance. State lawmaker Gabriel Gadluak, who represents a youth county, says Chagur violated the assembly conduct of business and as such, he will continue attending sessions. SOA is a convention. It is an umbrella uh, comprised of eight to nine uh, parties. So I'm from SDP, Federal Democratic Party, under the leadership of uh, Honorable uh, Gabriel Chang, the Minister of Higher Education in South Sudan. Dina is from Sum and I'm from FDP. He has no capacity to, to, to suspend me. The decision that he has taken, it is unlawful. And even it is uh, against the agreement. Garloak describes Jagur move to suspend the MPs as retaliation for MPs voting on Wednesday to impeach State Minister of Finance, Abraham Riek Uek, for incompetence. Galuaga alleges the governor was unhappy because he is behind the misappropriated state finances. Everyone knows that uh, the decision of uh, honorable governor uh, on my suspension uh, is related uh, to the impeachment of the minister of finance. We, we defend the constitution of the state. We defend the right of the citizen in the state. We say if someone wants to, to violate uh, the constitution of the state, the right of the citizen of Jongle state. We should not even uh, agree with that person. And that's the reason why it, it led us to, to, to call uh, the Minister of Finance and, and present themselves. Uh, the time he presented himself, we, we have seen the Minister of Finance is incompetent. He is so naive. He has no capacities and is skillful in the Department of uh, Finance. In response to a request for an interview, Chagur office manager Gadkek Goin said the governor accepted the interview but was not ready, saying he will talk to this program in his free time next week. Suspended lawmaker Anta Bayak also rejects his suspension and accuses Chagur of unilaterally opening a state bank account with the EcoBank in Juba and making himself and some of his bodyguards signatories to the account in a state of technocrats with the state ministry of finance. Bayak alleges the EcoBank account is linked to Chagur's private account with Citibank in New York, where about $50,000 collected from NGOs' income taxes is diverted into his personal account each month. Bayak says he too will continue his work in Parliament. I am not a member of executive whereby a governor can suspend me for, from my activities. So a governor have a right 
to uh, to suspend me on a party based on party issues but he did not have a right to suspend me as a member of parliament south sudan in focus was unable to independently verify bayak's allegations Bayak says aside from Chagur's illegal activities of diverting state NGO's taxes into his personal account, he also misappropriates local revenues generated from businesses. Bayak asserts that over 800,000 South Sudanese pounds is collected in taxes from the Jonglei business community each month. The governor was protected, the, the minister, because you know that he's the one who managed the credit buy. Even the minister himself, he don't know where the credit buy is. He's the one who knows the credit buy. He also manipulated uh, some money. He takes them for his accommodation here in Juba in a Crown Hotel. He sleeps in a, a very expensive place where he sleeps. He spends $400 per night. Bayak says Chagur knows that if the finance minister tells the truth, his secrets will be revealed. In January last year, Chagur ordered humanitarian agencies and companies operating in the state to remit taxes directly to a new bank account in the Juba-based Ecobank, prompting much criticism among Jonglei residents. Chagur said the bank account was meant to unify blocked accounts of defunct estates, adding that signatories to the new account were chosen from officials who served in the defunct estates. Grace Mathod, acting chairperson of the Jonglei State Assembly's Information Committee, told South Sudan in Focus yesterday the state has been operating without an approved budget since last year. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. From Jonglei State Capital Bor, we move to Kenya, where... Kenyans are eagerly waiting for the announcement of a presidential winner following Tuesday's presidential and parliamentary elections. Four candidates are vying for the presidency, among them Raila Odinga and Deputy President William Ruto. VOA's Vincent Macquarie is in the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, covering the vote. He spoke to Nabil Biagio about the latest from Nairobi. Even as we speak, the process is still very, very painfully slow. Uh, the Electoral Commission uh, chairman continues to announce the uh, results from the different polling regions piecemeal, but uh, there is no uh, re- results for overall presidential, uh, you know, uh, race. They kind of have deter- are determined to first and uh, receive the confirmation reports from all the polling regions, and then. Uh, keep announcing them until they complete the process and it, only then will they uh, make an announcement of the total uh, votes for the for the entire process and then they'll announce who wins the election. Okay. So at the moment all Kenyans are just waiting patiently or impatiently if you like for some uh, as the process continues. And as we head into the weekend, uh, are there any indications that the tie between Raila Odinga and William Broto will be broken with a clear winner emerging? Well, still, actually, the consensus is that it's still a very close uh, close race and that uh, nobody can predict for sure who is going to win. Uh, so uh, people are just open, keeping an open mind and uh, hopefully... Uh, there, there will be clarity maybe tomorrow, maybe they'll make an announcement. But nobody can tell at the moment uh, if any of the two is doing any better than the other one. 
You said that uh, that advantage or maybe that lead may appear tomorrow or the day after. Uh, the Independent Electoral Boundaries Commission has until Tuesday, of course, to announce the final results, yeah. seven days. Are things on track to meet that deadline? According to the Electoral Commission chairman, he's, uh, he says actually might even release the results earlier than the seven days. It just gives them himself the luxury of the legal provision of uh, up to seven days. And so he has, um, he, he says he's determined to actually have that announcement made way earlier than that. So we'll wait and see if that happens. So that's why some are speculating that maybe, maybe it could happen uh, sometime uh, this weekend because, uh, you know, it, it kind of, is speeding up things right now. They say they've increased the number of officials who are counting, or rather who are, um, who are verifying the documents, which means if they speed up the process, they could end up, they could maybe conclude the process over the weekend, but there's no guarantee. We'll just wait and see. And in the meantime, what is daily life like in Nairobi and across Kenya? And pretty much uh, the same people going on with their lives like normal. Of course, when you talk to them, they do express themselves differently. Some say, hey, let's have this thing end quickly. Others are like, you know, let's just wait. It'll be over, but let's give them time to do their job. So it all depends on who you're talking to, but um, life is going on as normal. Sometimes you wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah. That's VOA's Vincent Macquarie, managing editor of Africa 54 television program. Speaking with Nabil Biagio from Nairobi, Kenya. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. The world has suffered through two ugly years of COVID-19 pandemic, lockdowns and social isolation and the subsequent economic downturn. With 40% of the COVID-19 related deaths, no region has felt more acutely the pandemic's economic and social consequences than the Americas, from rising poverty to more young people out of work, said Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. These headwinds come atop long-standing challenges in the region, including a lack of opportunity, an accelerating climate crisis, violence and insecurity, endemic corruption. The more people across the region feel these challenges in their everyday lives, the more they are looking for effective governance to help address them, said Secretary Blinken. It's why the American public and private sectors continue to invest more than any other country in expanding economic opportunity across the hemisphere. From the $10 billion that the U.S. Development Finance Corporation has distributed to projects that are providing low-interest loans to women entrepreneurs, for example, to the $1.3 trillion that the United States provides in annual foreign direct investment to the Americas. A lot of the challenges the people of Latin America have faced have caused a loss of confidence in governments and in institutions, said Kerry Hannon, Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Western Hemisphere Affairs. This means that Latin America's democratic governments need to show up and deliver for their people. The United States is the region's top investor, and of course, other countries also offer investment in various projects. Investment that delivers for the people is really critical, said Deputy Assistant Secretary Hannon. But it's important to steer clear of debt traps masquerading as investment. You know, when you sign on for a project, there are strings attached, ununderstood debt, or your feet are held to the fire because you really need to get that bridge built. 
it's not really a fair and level playing field. Our efforts in working with our partners and allies in the region are making sure that they have the tools to ensure there's transparency that any projects to build infrastructure or to provide other services in the region are fair, that they follow environmental standards and labor standards, said Deputy Assistant Secretary Hannon. That's the way that we can help governments to continue to deliver for their people better. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. And that's all we prepared for you this Friday. We now leave you in a dancing mood with the song Sweet Mother. Listening to the song Sweet Mother. I'm your host, John Tanzan Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us next week for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Oh, oh, oh.